I'm still in the Real Followers message, and I wanted to talk to you today about defining moments in your life. Defining moments, because real followers are going to have defining moments. Now, I want you to think about something. When it comes to advertising, most companies will give you what? Before and after pictures. Have you noticed that? They love before and after pictures. And have you noticed that sometimes those before and after pictures, don't you love when you can see them and you start criticizing, you're like, that was photoshopped. They're just sucking it in. That's not even the same person. But you know, for the general, it must work because when we see a before and after, oh, then that product works, correct? Because why would advertisers constantly bombard us? Now that I've mentioned it, even today, you will see, unless you go just sit in a hole somewhere, you will see a before and after picture somewhere. It might be in a magazine, it might be on television, it'll be a testimony on the radio, whatever the case may be. So I went out on the web and I found some of the worst before and after pictures that I could find. And I'd like to show you a few of them, okay? So do we have the first one? This woman actually aged about 30 years just from going and having her teeth cleaned. Okay, do you notice this? I mean, I don't want to get older by going to the dentist office by, what, 30-something years? Okay, the next one, Austin. Okay, not only did this dog change color, he changed types and grew. Okay? It's kind of a dog exchange program. If you don't like yours, bring it in. We'll just give you another one. You know, it's like, it's not like Blockbuster Video. Okay, let's do another one. I'm not even going to go there on this one, Okay. Alright, I think there's one more. Now, I put this one in because this, this had to be the suck it up. I mean, look, look at his face. I mean, the guy doesn't even look comfortable. How long do you think he, if this were video, how long do you think he could have held that pose? You know what I mean? There you go. Before, after. I think that's the last one, isn't it? Is there one more? No? That's it. You know, advertisers are using this visual on the physical because it sells you on their product. And what I'd like to talk to you today is not necessarily about the physical, but the spiritual. Because what does our spiritual before and after picture look like? What does our life before Christ and our life after Christ look like? If somebody were to be able to compare us before we had a relationship with Jesus Christ and those that after. And it's important that we understand I'm going to be talking today about defining moments. And one of those defining moments that affected all of us even today was the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost was actually a day before Jesus ascended back up into heaven. And he told his believers to go into the upper room and to stay there and that he was going to send a comforter and an empower, a strength and power into their lives and for them to just go wait. And they waited for 120 days. You know, I was thinking today in our microwave society, we don't want to wait 120 days. We really don't. I mean, if somebody borrows money from you and says, hey, I'll pay it back to you in 120 days, we'd really like it back now. If, if you go on a great date, hey, you know what, let's talk about dating. You know how when the guy says, hey, I'll call you. I'll call you in 120 days. What do you think that girl would feel like when the guy says, I'll call you in 120 days? That guy's going to go out shopping around, you know what I mean? And if nothing else happens, I'm calling you. Man, we'd like to have that call. Remember, there's protocol. What are you supposed to wait? 24 hours, but not over 48. You know, there's this like this. 
This is an unwritten rule, you know what I mean? But 120 days? Now don't you, and they didn't know it was going to be 120 days at the time. So how many of us would be like, you know, we've been doing this for 89 days. Nothing's happening. It's hot. It's, man, people aren't washing their feet. Come on, it's, it's 90 days. Food hasn't gotten any better. We're just hanging out here. My family wants me home. Baseball season's starting pretty soon. You know what I mean? There's all these things that we'd be bringing in. But on the 120th day, something powerful happened. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to the book of Acts, chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And this is what the Word of God says. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Remember, I've told you, when you read the Word of God, can you put yourself into that environment? Could you imagine now you've been sitting with these people for 120 days expecting something from God, and you start hearing a wind? It's not a regular wind. In fact, they even said that it was a a violent wind. You know, I've heard people who have experience tornadoes and they've all kind of had a common theme it says it sounds like a freight train coming towards them could you imagine that now we're reading this and we're just saying oh yeah a a wind the air conditioning kicked in no there was no air conditioning back then so a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting verse 3 they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now I want to tell you that this was a defining moment. It was not only a defining moment for the disciples, it was a defining moment for the church. You and I, this was a defining moment because Jesus had promised a helper, a comforter, a power, a source that would come once He left. And this is what we're reading about. We're talking about defining moments. All of us experience defining moments. There are positive defining moments that you will encounter. The day your baby is born is a positive defining moment because you will remember it. I can tell you exactly what happened on the days of all three days that our children were born. Positive things also. The day that Kristen said that she would go out to have dinner with me. That was a positive defining moment that changed my history and her history. It could be even the day that I took a job that been there for many, many, many years. It was a defining moment. Do you understand? Our lives are full of positive defining moments. But on the other side, there are negative defining moments that will also happen in our lives. Sometimes the defining moment that's a negative could be the day that you had an automobile accident. It was a defining moment. The moment that you find out that that your mother or father has passed away. Defining moment. I kind of remember the place where I was when I got the phone call to say, Mark, you, you really have only so many hours to get down here. I remember that day vividly. It also could be a day that a doctor gives you a report that you were not going to receive, but it was still a defining moment in your life. Our lives are marked with defining moments. Whether you realize it or not, you will encounter positive and negative defining moments. They're almost like road markers. But I want you to know that God also has 
spiritual defining moments that He wants to encounter with you that's going to empower you to be more than you ever could be on your own. You see, when we go through life on ourselves, I have found that it is very limited. It can be very tiring. Even Kristen's word today is about the drought. If you allow yourself to go on your flesh, you will focus on all the negatives. Man, it is hot. Man, this is happening. I can't believe this. Even this week, I found myself murmuring. And, and I went in to go take a shower. And while I was showering, the Lord spoke to me. Yes, Lord, can talk to you in the shower. And he just started saying, Mark, give praise for everything that's going right. So I started yelling out to Chris. I said, Chris, I'm thankful for you. I didn't know if she heard me over the water. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for air conditioning. I just started going through everything. And man, I'll tell you, the, the environment in that shower changed, okay? I mean, it was like... I thought I was going to bust some glass because and she even came and she said, Mark, I'm proud of you. You see, in our own self, when you start focusing on all the negative, everything that the enemy is wanting to point out to you, you are walking in your flesh. But when you bring the Holy Spirit into your life and he says, okay, now do this, and you start doing it, all of a sudden you're like, man, the things that I was wearing, yeah, it's hot, but I'm in an air-conditioned home. You're in an air-conditioned dance studio. You're in a Christian dance studio that God spoke to a young lady and said, hey, I want you to do this to raise up children. Wow, we have so much to be thankful for, and yet we murmur and we complain. And that's what happens when we're walking in the flesh and we're not walking in the Spirit. I'm going to tell you that until you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, you will not walk the empowered life that God really gave His Son to die on the cross for you. Will you have eternal salvation? Yes. But I mean, you got the minimum ticket. You're like, you know, if this were a cruise ship, you'd be down with the luggage. And you know that everybody's up there, they're dancing and there's food and buffets and you're just like, no, I'm just happy to be with the luggage. I just want to get to heaven. That's all I want. Just get to heaven. Not me. Man, I want to, I want to, I want to be, well, in heaven, I think we're going to eat all we can. In heaven, I want to be at those buffets. That's the way I want to live my life. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be looking at that about the power of the Holy Spirit in your life today. I want to ask you a question that I want you to be thinking about while I present this message. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit today? Are you truly filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you living a Spirit-filled life? We're going to look at one of the greatest examples of a defining moment spiritually. And it's Saul of Tarsus. He was one of the most feared men in the world at the time. And who was fearing him? Christians. You know, if you go back several years, in fact, we got to go see the movie Captain America, and it was a great movie. Um, but the villain at the time was Hitler, hated by the world. Hitler hated Jews. In fact, if you want to talk, there's a whole series on what the, the hatred that spewed out towards God's chosen people. Okay? So, so think of... Saul is almost being like a Hitler because Saul had authority to go into a city and, and basically punish and kill born-again Christians. So there was a fear any time his name was spoken. He was on a mission and he was on a crusade. What he thought he was doing, he thought he was doing for God. And I want to tell you, 
that some of the greatest injuries that the church has encountered throughout history are people who felt like they were on a crusade from God and weren't. Those who have said and done things in the name of the Lord and damaged people's lives. And that healing process because they, they banished all their words and hatred and anger under, I'm doing this in the name of the Lord. Saul thought what he was doing was right. He was fulfilling the letter of the law. He thought he was going in and, and taking care of this. Um, and he had a mission and he also had permission to do this. And Saul was a man who was living by the code, the letter of the law. Saul was even there when Stephen was being stoned. He held the coats of those who were stoning him. Even that experience when Stephen started glowing and, and, and forgave them didn't affect Saul. Have you really thought about that? I mean, to see someone that you're stoning and they're forgiving you and there's a glowing that you're not thinking, wait, maybe what I'm doing is wrong and maybe there is a power and an authority that I'm not tapping into. But he's about to have a defining moment. You see, sometimes we think that our plans are just right. We think that we have everything figured out. We think that we're on a mission from God. We feel like we have the ability to go in and just scream truth and not love people. But God is going to have other plans. In Acts 22, verses 5 through 11, this is what we read about Saul's defining moments spiritually. Verse 5, Acts 22. The chief priest and the entire council of our leaders can prove that I did this. In fact, they even gave me letters to take to the Jewish community in the city of Damascus. And I was going there to tie up believers and bring them back to Jerusalem to punish them. You see what his mission was? To tie up the believers, to bring them back to Jerusalem and punish them. Now what did they do to Stephen? They stoned him. So do you think this was going to be a fine like a library fee? No. Okay. But as I was on my way approaching the city of Damascus, about noon, a bright light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice asking me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, sir? And the person told me, I am Jesus from Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. The men who were with me saw the light, but did not understand what the person who was speaking to me said. Verse 10, Then I said, What do you want me to do, Lord? And the Lord told me, Get up and go to the city of Damascus, and you will be told everything I have arranged for you to do. Verse 11, I was blind because the light had been so bright. So the men who were with me there led me into the city of Damascus. What you're seeing here is that literally, to coin a phrase, Saul was knocked off his spiritual high horse. Do you understand this? There was an encounter with Jesus on the road, and it didn't affect the others. Why, have you ever thought about why the others couldn't hear, but they saw? There's a message in there. I want you, every time there's a question, that's something that you need to dig into. Why was it that the other men saw that and didn't hear what Jesus was saying? That's just a teaser. Okay, I'm going to tell you. But what's happening is that Jesus appears to him, and Jesus humbled him and blinded him. You see, there are times when people will seem to have it all figured out. They see what needs to be done, and they have clear vision. But God steps in and says basically to Saul, you're a blind man without me. 
And I'm going to tell you that I, without Christ in my life, am a blind man. You, without Christ in your life, is, you're blind. Because everything in this world that shines is not worthy of your attention. There's an old saying that says, everything that is clear is not pure. Oh man, but we, we love the shiny things of this world. We want fame. We want fortune. We want popularity. We want our name known. We want, we want to pursue things. Okay? And it is not going to bring you happiness. It is not going to bring you peace. They are distractions to your life. Okay? And if you are flirting with somebody online that is not someone that you are married to, stop it. You see? Because they are not going to bring you the happiness and peace that you think they're going to bring. It is destructive. So basically what Paul Saul thought he was doing was totally wrong. And he has an encounter with Jesus and it changes his life. So what place does the Holy Spirit have in our lives today? When we make a decision, when we make a decision, are we praying? Are we asking God to help and lead us by His Spirit? In my spiritual journey, I've found that the times that I've felt the farthest from God three things are happening in my life. And any combination of these three will affect your life. All three of them together are are basically spiritual suicide for you. The first one is lack of prayer. God's Word tells us to be always in an attitude of prayer. Colossians 4.2 tells us this, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. What it's telling me is to always be willing to start praying. Always be praying. Not when things go bad, before things go bad. Do you understand? We kind of have that trip-in mechanism once things go bad. Once you get the call that your supervisor wants to see you in the office, is not the time you need to start saying, Oh Lord, just give this man favor in the presence of God. Maybe I should have been praying all along that what I was doing wrong, I would have stopped. Now I'm caught. Do you understand how many people now want forgiveness? Oh, God, have mercy for that liquor store I just robbed. Wait a minute. Maybe we should have went back and prayed. Do you want me to rob this liquor store, Lord? I'll give you 10% right off the top. We laugh about the obvious, but what about the subtle? What about times that we know that we're making decisions and we're not praying about those decisions? We're not seeking God. We're taking control and we're doing everything ourselves. That will affect your spirit life. We also neglect the spirit when we don't study God's Word. It's the Holy Spirit who's teaching us. It's the Spirit that convicts us. It is also the Spirit that encourages us and disciplines us and instructs us. You say, Mark, what's your scripture on that? I would say 2 Timothy 3.16 because it tells us that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do is right. That's what the Word of God... Oh, but you're telling me that a bunch of stories about giants and rocks being thrown and this is going to affect my life today? Absolutely. There are so 
many stories that as you start studying it, even this week in the car we were talking about how so many of the stories are connected. And it's not obvious until you start getting into studying the Word of God that you see that connection. And all of a sudden it starts becoming revelation to you and you start becoming a rhema word. And that scripture that you've read over and over and over again has a newness to it because you're spending time. Several months ago I encourage you, if you have to just park yourself on one scripture and read it and read it and read it till God reveals it to you, you're in a position to learn. If it's, Father, how quickly can I read through the Bible this, this month? You're not going to get anything. You know, there's times when, when, uh, when Chris and I were, were engaged, this is how long ago it's been, there wasn't really the internet. I know Al Gore hadn't invented it yet, but there wasn't really the internet, okay? Nowadays, love must be so easy with Facebook and Twitter and all this, but we actually had to do something that was called, what was it? Letter writing. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. And because I was, I, I was sent to Florida for six weeks, to, I had actually got to live on the beach I had my own private chef. This company was great. But she was here, but I was struggling down there by myself. So, yeah. Hold on, forgive me, Father. Amen. Okay. And we wrote letters to each other. And those letters were to tell us how much we missed each other, and how much we loved each other, and how much we were looking forward to when we actually got to be married together. But I remember that there were certain parts of that letter I would reread. Okay? As a guy who wanted to get married to the most beautiful woman that I met, there was portions that I wanted to reread. And they comforted me. She loves me. She can't wait to see me. She's praying for me. And then there's blah, blah, blah. This happened, this happened, this happened. But this is what was, this to me was the meat and potatoes. Okay? And then she'd tell me what kind of cake we were having. I didn't care what kind of cake we were having. And this was going to be the groom's cake. And this was be... I just wanted to know certain things. And when we're reading the Word of God, all of a sudden there should be something that just stops and says, wait a second, I've got to spend time on this Scripture because it's telling me how much God loves me, how much He cares for me. I relate to this character. This is my life right now. And every once in a while, then, when you're spending time and reading it, you'll start seeing that really the Word of God is a love letter. And it is written to you. It's written to all of us. Saul, as we know, gives his life to, be, gives his life to the Lord through this experience. And I think one of the bravest characters in the Bible is Ananias. I've always admired him because I would not like to fulfill the role that he did. And in Acts 9, verses 17 and 18, this is basically what happens. Prior to this, the Lord speaks to Ananias and says, Saul is going to be coming here, and I want you to go pray for him. And I'm sure the conversation goes, are we talking about the Saul that's killing all the Christians? Is this a tr- Am I being punked? What, what, what's going on? Is this a voice in my head? You're kidding me, right? The person who would want to kill me, you're sending me to the house. He's blind. I'm to pray for him. Do I really get this right? I'm just being honest with you. That's the way I'd be praying. Lord, the person who wants to kill me and possibly arrest me and take me to Jerusalem, you want me to go meet with him. Have coffee. Starbucks. 
can I pray about this one? You know, God's speaking, but we need to pray about it, right? Have you ever done that when God tells you to do something? You say, well, let me pray about it. Who are you going to pray to? God's the one telling you to do it. Well, I just need to pray about that. See? Oh, yeah, I need confirmation. He's the Alpha and Omega. There's your confirmation right there. He's the beginning and the end. He's the day star. He's the lion, the tribe of Judah. We're going, I want a, I want a confirmation, God. Could you, could you CC me an email on this one? Because I really... So this is what happens when we read Acts 9, verses 17 and 18. Ananias left and entered Judas's house. I would love to have been there to see how he entered into that house. Me, I'd have been having a mirror stuck around that door like, okay, is he really blind? You know, I'd have been doing something. You know, I'm sure he just didn't bolt and say, hi, I'm Ananias. You know what I mean? Because is this a trap? I mean, have you ever really thought about this? So he walks in and says, Ananias left because of obedience, entered Judas' house because of faith. After he placed his hands on Saul, Ananias says, Brother Saul, there's acceptance. So there had to have been conversation that he truly was a born-again believer. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way to Damascus, sent me to you. He wants you to see again and to be... What's that next word? Can you all read that? He wants you to see. And what was it? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. Then Saul stood up and was baptized. You see, what I'm going to tell you is this. God allows free will. God allows you to make choices. God is never going to force you to do something for Him. Saul could have rejected all of this. Although blinding him on the, on the street and having fish scales fall off his eyes was probably a very good convincer that you need to do what you're being asked to do. This was not a corporate memo. This was a life-changing event in his life. He had free will. All of us have free will. We can choose to come to church. We can choose not to come to church. We can choose to worship. We can choose to just hum. We can choose to be thinking about something right now or really thinking about the passage. That's all free will that God gave us because He does not want a robotic, mechanical relationship with you. He wants you to love Him. He wants to be with you. He wants you to realize the passion that He has for you. And you can either choose to accept it or you can choose to receive it. In fact, instead of just receiving it, grasp it. Hunger for it. Be, be uh, almost aggressive to be in His presence. And that's what God is looking for. People who are not just going through the motions of a relationship, but are aggressive in their search for spending time with God. Saul decides to follow Christ and be filled with the Spirit. And what we see now is that he has one of the most dramatic, defining spiritual moments that we will ever see. He's not only changed his allegiance to Christ, but he changed his name. Wow! Could you imagine going through an experience so much that you changed your name? Instead of Corey, you'd be... should have thought this one through. Dory, I don't know, you know? And I'm like, what happened? He's like, man, I married... I, I got married and, and I just felt like it was such a life-changing and I, I changed my name. I'm like, good for you, man. <laughs> it's like, it's made that big of a difference in your life. 
How many of you changed your name because of an experience? I mean, other than women because it's marriage, but I'm, I'm talking, you know, the first name thing, right? That shows a defining moment in Paul's life. What we had before is Saul of Tarsus, persecutor of Christians. Now we have Paul, the greatest missionary that the church has ever encountered. That's a spiritual defining moment. So what was the difference? He was sold out for Christ. He wasn't sold on Christ. He was sold out for Christ. We have a lot of people who are sold on Christianity. We have a lot of people who are sold on a relationship with Jesus Christ, but they're not sold out for Jesus Christ. That would be a good time to use your one amen. Or a hanky waving or something. If there's anything our church needs, is more of Christians who are completely sold out for Jesus Christ and are filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you, when the church has no life, it means the people have no life. Because life comes from the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? The church in itself reflects our personal lives. It's not something mystical experience that God's asking us to do. He promised He would do it. He promised He would do it. Acts 1a tells us this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. Then you will be my witnesses to testify me, testify about me in Jerusalem, uh, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. His will for your life is to be filled with the Spirit and to be a bold proclaimer of the good news. So what does your spiritual before and after picture look like today? Are we just as Christians sucking it up so we look like we're different, but there's really been no change? Are we photoshopping ourselves just so that we look more spiritual? Is that really our before and after picture today? See, our lives after a revelation of Jesus Christ as our Savior should be one photo. But when the Holy Spirit comes in and we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it should be a whole different photo. And that's what's missing today in the body of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. See, a lot of churches have different ways of talking about being filled with the Spirit. Some churches would have you prove it with unknown language and speaking in tongues. I'm going to tell you that I believe that the speaking of tongues and speaking another language is a gift. And if you are hungry for it, it is for you. But you have to be hungry for it. There have been people that have taught for many, many years that that's, that passed away. It's no longer there. And one conversation with me is not going to convince them. But the Holy Spirit, remember what we said about the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to convict us, to instruct us, to disciple us? You see, I believe that when the world sees a change in the church, they will want to be like the church. But they're not seeing that difference between the church and their life. So are they hungry for what we have? No, because they're not seeing us react to any situation differently than they do. We may be even doing it worse. You see, once you have the label of Christian and you drop the F-bomb in a conversation, it has a bigger effect than if you've never proclaimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So they're looking to us to say, what is different about you? How are you handling this in a way that we're not? Acts 19, verse 6 tells us this. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. It is a prayer language also. 
Romans 8.26 tells us this, that at the same time the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray for what we need. But the Spirit intercedes along with our groans that cannot be expressed into words. You see, I have encountered both of those. I have encountered speaking in tongues. I was speaking in tongues this morning as I was praying. I have prayed as I've gone for walks and there have been times where I really didn't know how to pray over a situation and the Holy Spirit allowed me to pray and I've had that. Because I'll tell you what, there are sometimes things are bigger than my ability. There are people in my life that I cannot control. There is rebellion in this world. Rebellion hurts a lot of people. There is crime in this world. There are things that doesn't make sense to me. And I don't have that right prayer to say everything. Because a right prayer, oh, wasn't that just a great prayer? You know what? It was just a bunch of of words. And if it was done for show, it had no power at all. Have you ever heard a beautiful inaugural prayer that had absolutely no meaning? But man, it had a few these and thous and a few words we are still scratching our head on. And we thought, wow, that was a great prayer. Man, I would rather you come and just say, Mark, God wants you to do this, 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 amen, and be done with it. I understand this, 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 amen. Let's go. I'm a very simple person. And I try to stay simple because I find out that the more simple I can keep things, the more God can work inside of me. The more complicated, more educated I want to get, sometimes the more difficult things become. There are people who want to argue theology when people are dying and going to hell. Okay? Questions. What color banner is Jesus' ash? And what's that thing called? You know, what? Sash. See, a guy doesn't even use that word. That, That thing. What does it matter? Yes, it's in the Bible. But we're going to have a whole theological discussion on that? Oh, but Pastor, you're, you're talking about things that, that I, I don't know about. Speaking in tongues and prayer language and groanings. It's in the Bible. I did not write the book of Mark. I just want you to know that, okay? So I don't make up my own theology. I look, I read, I read commentaries, but more importantly, I experience. Everything that I'm preaching to you, I have experienced. You say, well, I've never experienced that. It's because maybe you haven't hungered and thirst for it. We were talking to somebody last night at CFNI, and they said that when um, one of the teachers would talk about the Holy Spirit, she would just hold a $5 bill up. Say, who would like this $5 bill? Every class hesitated. Okay, so just, I'm holding up this $5 bill. Why was there hesitation? It's a free $5 bill. Well, I didn't know if it was proper for me to get up during service and come grab that $5 bill for you, right? Some of you may have thought that. Some of you might have said, I'm really comfortable right here, and it wouldn't be worth $5 getting up out of my chair and walking up there to get to your $5 bill, right? Think about that. The thoughts that are going on through people's heads. I don't need your $5 bill. How many of us are doing that when we hear about the Holy Spirit being a free gift and all you have to do is come and ask for it? I don't need your Holy Spirit. I don't know if it's proper to ask for the Holy Spirit during service. What if people look at me? 
It is a free gift. It's an empowering gift. It is a strengthening gift. It will teach you. It will empower you to be a better spirit-filled Christian. And sometimes we have this mentality, I can do this myself. I'll be Lone Ranger. It's important that we understand. The Spirit speaks to our hearts. Even as I'm preaching today, I'm praying, and I have prayed all this week, that your hearts would be moved. And it's not because of the way I'm saying these words or that there's soft music playing in the background or we've dimmed the lights or we have aromatherapy going on. It's not that. It's the Holy Spirit moving inside you saying, you know what, there's some truth about what He's saying. There's something that I am missing. I am not walking the empowered life that I see that other born-again believers can have. And it's the Holy Spirit that's going to start bringing you to a point of conviction. I could have this great service. I could say, you know what? I want everyone to stand up here and I'm just going to smack you on the head. If you are not ready to receive it, you are not going to receive it. Right. I'm going to be honest with you. I have prayed with people who were not ready to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they did not receive it. And then there have been people that I have been able to agree with that, man, they were, they were about to bust because the power of God was so on them. They were so hungry. They had searched. They had been hungry. And they wanted more of God. And that's when we see where it says that Paul laid his hands on them and they received. That group was prepared and ready. In fact, the original group was in the upper room for 120 days waiting for it. Have we waited 120 days for anything? Especially from God? So it's important that we understand. John 16, 7 through 8 and it's my last passage I'm going to be reading, tells us this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Remember we talked a couple of weeks about honesty, and every time that Jesus said, by the way, I'm telling you the truth, it's because He's loved them, and now He's about to give them some truth. Do you understand? Every time you read that, there has been interaction. Dino tells me everything about Him, now I say, now Dino, I'm going to tell you some truth. And it's because there's been an interaction, I can speak truth into his life. But if Dino were just driving by and I'm yelling at him with a bullhorn, I'm going to give you some truth. That's not going to be received by Dino. It is when we, as born-again believers, have interaction and love with people, they will receive things in truth. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit is dealing in our lives today. And he's going to make it clear whether you need more of him in your life as I lead you in a very simple prayer. Because it is empowering us to do what God has called us to do. God will never force his will on your life. If you choose to obey the Holy Spirit and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, you will receive it because it is a free gift. What is required of you? To allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life. Not just on Sunday mornings at 1030, but to commit your life to Him every day. To have defining moments spiritually with Him. And God promises power that you have never experienced before in your life. And to be a church that God wants us to be, we have to have people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
not just going through the actions. We need to love to make a difference in our community. One of the most powerful things I'm going to tell you is this. Our greatest need as a church is not finances. Our greatest need as a church is not a new building, an impressive campus, a facility that's going to impress people. In fact, our greatest need as a church is not anything material. The greatest need that we have as a church are sold-out, born-again Christians who are filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered in wanting to make a change and a difference in other lives. If we have that, everything else will come. But we put these things in front of that thing. Well, if we build the building, then they'll come. This isn't a field of dreams, okay? What they want to see is some difference in our lives that will draw them to come. And the more that you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the more you're going to share Jesus Christ with other people. Oh, but Pastor Mark, I'm, I'm too shy. I'm too... Then you need more of the Holy Spirit. Because read what happened to Paul after he got filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He started preaching to thousands. Thousands. And lives were changed. It's important that we understand the ability and the power that we have by just accepting what God has to offer us as a free gift. And I want to offer that free gift to you today. I have a very simple prayer. In fact, you will notice it's the same prayer, but there's going to be a line now that we've said every week that's going to have new meaning to you that you've never experienced before. And it says, fill me with your Holy Spirit. We've said it, we've said it, we've said it, and we've probably never even thought anything about it. In fact, maybe some of you are memorized the prayer, and you're thinking, yeah, I've said that. But have I really sought after it? Have I sought God for more of Him? So it's important that we understand the power and the authority that we have. Would everybody bow your heads and close your eyes with me, please? There are times when we have to be silent before God. And that was one of the times where God just told me, Mark, be quiet. I'm moving. Be comfortable in the stillness of God. Would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior and I am saved. Amen. Now if you said that for the very first time, you have a new relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to to spend time in the Word of God. Great books to start if you're just now getting into the Bible. This is the book of John, the book of Romans, and Psalms. But also spend time with God, just having conversations. If you have a long drive to work or to school, spend time just talking to Him as you would a friend. Start seeking His advice on decisions that you're making. 
pursue peace at all costs. If you don't have peace, don't make the decision. Start worshiping God. Start guarding what you're allowing into your life. Because there will be so much junk that this world will want to fill into you that it will take any joy, happiness, and peace that you have out. Find other believers that will encourage you, mentor you. Make some decisions that are difficult. And pursue God at all costs. This Real Followers series was to be very brief, but God's really been speaking to me to extend because I think we're about to find genuineness in God. Not just easy one, two, three things that can happen in your life, but genuineness. And I think that people are really looking for genuineness in the relationship with God. Genuine Christians. Genuine people who truly love God, who love people, who walk the walk and not just talk the talk. And that's what I pray for your lives. Thank you for being here today. And I'd like to speak a blessing as we dismiss. So if you could stand with me, please. And if any of you would like to talk to me about the Holy Spirit, receiving more of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, please feel free to talk to me. I'm here for you. According to God's word, may the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming. We love you so much.